All right, welcome to Fireside Mets episode three. I am Daniel Marcello, joined once again by Jimmy Riley. Jimmy, how's everything going? Yeah, everything's going well. How about you, Dan? It's going pretty well. We'll jump right into things this week. It's uh, hard to talk about anything in sports, you know, after with all the uh, chaos and everything going on. Um, I know we're in two different places. I'm you're still on Long Island, Long Island. Have you seen or anything, you know, going on related to, uh, you know, riots, protests, things like that? Yeah, there was a uh, big uh, riot that was organized a couple of towns over from me um, that uh, it got pretty big. I, I haven't heard any, like, you know, police getting involved, but I, I saw it, like, spreading on social media about joining in with that. So it's definitely... Uh, gaining momentum here in Long Island. How about by you? Uh, well, by me, um, there hasn't really been too much. I know we've all seen what's going on in the city. Yeah, the bridge is being, bridges are being shut down. Um, and really, it's pretty much citywide protests. You know, it got pretty ugly, and I think by the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Um, but, you know, there hasn't been too much really in the in the suburb suburban area where i am but definitely in the city you know it's gotten pretty crazy up there um and even you know relate to the mets a little bit uh you know pete alonzo put out uh something on his instagram story i'll just read it pretty quickly um so quote for the past couple of days i've struggled to wrap my mind around what's happening i have a voice and i will not remain silent my heart has been broken over the murder of George Floyd. I will never know what it feels like to be discriminated against because of the color of my skin. To anyone who faces this type of discrimination, I will fight for you and be an ally. I will always stand with you. There needs to be justice and change made for the better of humanity. Let words be our sword and unity be our armor. Take care of each other. And number 20. To me, that's that's pretty, that pretty much is, exemplifies the type of leader Pete Alonso has been since he got to the Mets last season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that's definitely the kind of person you want. I mean, for sure on the baseball field, but, you know, that's just the kind of leader you want in general. I mean, that, that takes a lot of, uh, you know, power to, to put that out there. And I think, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's very well said, you know, having him say that. Yeah, and... Um, last year we saw when Alonzo won the home run derby, he, I forget who he put some of the money to exactly, but it went to pretty much, I think, first responders and the NYPD and stuff like that. And again, he was, uh, he was very adamant about, um, the Mets actually wearing the, the NYPD, FDNY hats on when they play on 9-11 or... And when he was donating things to the 9-11 Memorial. So he's, he's, he understands both sides of what's going on. And I think what he's doing, I know it's, especially, you know, you look at a team like the Mets, you know, they have a very diverse team there as well. You have, you know, a bunch of Hispanic players like Cano and Ramos. And you have, you have your black players in Stroman and Dom Smith. So it's definitely uh you know, he understands it, you know, he's been around, and, you know, you don't really see stuff like this from a guy's second year in the big leagues. It's usually, you know, what you saw from David Wright towards as he started to mature later in his career. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's already, you know, not even two years in, and he's, he's definitely showing signs of, uh, of great leadership. You know, I'm, I'm really excited for uh, what we're going to see three, four, five years down the line from Alonzo. Yeah, and, you know, we'll move on from this and get to a little more Met stuff right now. Um, the biggest thing that after that fallout, I know we talked about on Wednesday how a bunch of uh, – players were being released, you know, the Mets saw 39 guys get released, and none of them were Tim Tebow, and one of those Mets that got released was Andrew Church, a minor league uh, pitcher for the Mets, who went on Instagram, he had quite a bit to say about his time in the, you know, in the minor leagues and the Mets organization, you know, what sort of things did you learn or take out of what he put together? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, you, you sympathize with these guys because that's their, you know, obviously their their dream is to make it to the big leagues and, you know, be the next, you know, all-star. And you really just, you, you really do sympathize with them. I really feel bad, you know, this guy, he had his, his whole dreams just crushed, you know, just like that. And it, you know, it, it sucks, it stings, you know, it's not like you can just say, all right, you know, I'll get back out there tomorrow i'll think of another way it's like that's that's his whole future right down the drain and it's 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 discouraging but you know the post that uh that he 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 made it was definitely uh he made it into like a positive he was he was very you know grateful for the opportunity to even play but that just if i were in that position i would be i would be totally distraught yeah and i think you know, well, one, Church has been with the Mets organization since 2013. So he was 18 years old when he first got to the Mets. Um, and one of the things, you know, Tim Tebow, obviously he's going to bring in money. But to me, at the end of the day, was really, you know, this was a Sandy Alderson move. This wasn't a move that Brody Van Wagen didn't originally, originally bring him into the franchise. But you got to figure that, you know, yes, he's going to make, he's going to, put some uh, butts in the seats in Binghamton. But is it really worth it to keep him on the roster, create a distraction where he's 32 years old? You know, it's one thing if this was like a Michael Jordan type of player, but Tim Tebow is not Michael Jordan. Um, And it is discouraging because especially when you hear about the way he talked about the Mets minor league system, it's very discouraging to see that this was going on right under Alderson's nose, right under the World Pond's nose, and they kind of just let these things happen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you were talking about Tebow, you know, it's it's feeling to me like the Mets are making, you know, yet another move for financial reasons rather than for, you know, just the, the you know, talent of the team, you know, moving ahead. They're, they just want to, like you said, sell tickets, sell jerseys, and, you know, as as true as it as it is, you know, Tebow is going to sell more shirts than than Andrew Church. You know, it's unfortunate, yeah. but uh, that's the way it is, and it and it do, it feels to me that the Mets knew that, and that's uh, a big factor to why they kept Tebow and they released Church. Yeah, what well, one of the interesting things, you know, Church was just one guy who shared his story of being in the in the system with Tebow, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, even here, a guy like Pete Alonzo, his story coming up through the minor leagues, I don't think him and Tebow 
ever played on the same minor league team together. But, you know, just hearing their story of what he's experienced with him on the roster, or even if, you know, some of these other minor league guys happen to get to the big leagues who play with Tebow, hear their story. I mean, I'm sure he's a good guy, but I think when there's a little under the table going on where Tebow's actually profiting from this, you know, I think um, you really question, is it more of a baseball move or is this that I can't play football anymore, so I need to make money some some other way somehow? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I'll be the first to admit, I, I was, you know, one of the first in line to get a Tebow shirt when they first signed him, but... uh you know, it's it's definitely a financial move, and you know he does have a an interesting you know history, but uh, unfortunately that's not going to help the Mets you know push through in in the standings. You know. Yeah, and at the same time with Tebow, it's it, it's one thing that he's already he was already twenty eight when he first came to the Mets, but and it would be another thing if he was also progressing still. And he he was up until you know 2018 2018 he put together a good year in Double A I mean 273 336 399 that's nothing to say he's going to be the next top prospect but that's some improvement but then when they threw him in Triple A last year obviously it was a totally different story where he just was totally outmatched which was no surprise really at this point yeah. um, but. You know, another one of the things I found interesting was that he talked, Church talked about sort of the things that were sort of problematic with the Mets minor league system, which to me, it's pretty, I don't want to say alarming, but, you know, with the Mets over the past few years, guys like Terry Collins worked in the Mets minor league organization before becoming manager. Luis Rojas has managed pretty much every player that is on the Mets outside of guys like Cano and Batances who were just brought in. It surprises me that they can have such good guys there, but then you have the guys, if Mets fans remember the whole ter- Tony Bernazard incident from the late 2000s, to just the sort of negativity that's being allowed to go on in the minor leagues. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And uh, I'm uh, remembering the uh, the, the Jordani Valdespin uh issues there were yeah, that, you know way too. back when and uh it's it's definitely a, a very different situation with the, the major league Mets and and their you know minor league affiliates it's it seems like there's a very big divide there yeah and I think I don't I think it might have been Simeon Woods Richardson one of the one of the, either him or Kay I think it was Richardson when they got traded oh no I, I take that back it was um one of the one of the pitchers they traded to Seattle in the Cano trade, he even talked about how some of some of the issues that go on um, with the organization. So uh, to me, it seems like, especially with the pitchers, they have a real problem developing pitchers because you know, yes, Harvey turned out to be pretty well, but Syndergaard wasn't even a prospect they found they traded for him you know DeGrom was sort of a diamond in the rough who really learned a lot on his own and you know Steven Matz was already a top prospect you know you don't see any Mets pitchers that other than really DeGrom that come out of nowhere that weren't top prospects to become aces for the Mets rotation 
Yeah, no, you're definitely right about that. You know, it's I I, I don't want to side with a uh, with a Yankees fan here, but you know, I know the Yankees have been a lot of hate for in the past for you know buying all their you know talent and everything and not being homegrown. But you know, you definitely see that a little bit with the Mets too. Obviously, like you said, Degrom is is kind of you know that that exception. He's the outlier, but you know they brought in Stroman. Matt was already the top prospect. You know, Syndergaard they got the trade so they they have a little bit of that going on too yeah and it's 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 it's, uh it's i think it was justin dunn that was the one who uh who did what they uh you know who's really talking about everything that was going on with the franchise um let me see if i can find this quote real quick um let me see um but yeah, you know, I can only imagine what it would have been like for Kellenic to work his way up through the minor league system. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, he was supposed to be really another Conforto Nimmo sort of guy, but um, you know, it's just sort of sort of frustrating to know that the Mets have such good guys in the minor league system, but then, but then you know they have guys that are causing issues. Making guys not want to feel like they want to be part of the franchise. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. You know, it's it's unfortunate to uh, to be part of like that you know toxic kind of clubhouse, and uh, you know it makes you not even want to be part of that team. And you know, there there's so much more that goes into a a team's success than just their talent. You know, if they have a negative attitude off the field, that's going to translate onto the field. So you know, it's. It's it's tough news for the uh, the minor leagues uh, leaguers and the Mets there. Yeah, and you know we're gonna try and see if we can get um, any of these guys who we just released see if they want to talk about their experience on the podcast. Because um, I think you know I think it's good to get their perspective. I mean, when you you gotta understand that baseball is a pretty cutthroat sport, especially when you're in the minor league. It's even more cutthroat than really it is. In any other sport, maybe it's as cutthroat as football with some of those guys who have non-guaranteed contracts. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how the Mets move forward with this because another report broke um, over the last couple of days that the owners just may be better off for themselves, just saying no baseball in twenty twenty. And to me, I don't know about you, but to me, if that happens, we don't have any baseball this season. I don't see there being baseball, at least, I don't see there being at least a full season in 2021. No, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, if, if they do head that way, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like what we were saying before. It's it's going to be a financial decision. It's not going to be based on, you know, the, the health and the safety of the players. It's not going to be based on anything like that. It's going to be based on, hey, we're not going to be making money. We're not going to play. And it's, you know, that's... That's a, a sucky thing to do. Yeah, and to me, it seems like baseball. They're. I think we said this last last time on the podcast, but to me, it's just their evolution, their adjustments are just poor compared to the other three major sports. You know, hockey. Hockey said, "You know what? We're going to bring back the season. We're going to expand the playoffs. So now we may not have been able to finish the regular season, but now you're going to get more hockey." And if hockey seems like it's going to be the first sport to return, 
you know, many people are going to watch that just because people want, you know, people want some type of competitive sport. You know, the NFL was able to put the draft on, you know, a virtual draft, which people pretty much enjoyed. People were loving that, you know, say what you want about Roger Goodell, but people enjoyed seeing that side of what was going on. Um, and, you know, I think the NBA, they're figuring things out, but they're, they're even talking about expanding the playoffs um, to maybe have playing games. So it seems like all of them have ideas, but meanwhile, MLB is just stuck in the mud. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously now times are, are changing, times are tough, but, you know, the other three major sports, they, they seem to be changing with the times. The MLB... Like you said, they're kind of just in a limbo state where, you know, they can't start, they can't think of a new idea. It's, they're kind of just waiting it out. Yeah, and with all that going on, it's, you know, it's like, sure, you don't want to play the season, you know, that's fine. But it's one thing to not play the season and have an agreement saying, you know what, it's better, we'll just not have it this year than what's going on now where promises are being broken, you know, the owners don't want to keep the promises they originally made to how much they were going to pay. And things are starting to open up. You know, I think uh, phase one of New York City reopening is going on uh, in a, about a week and a half or a week. And you're seeing states slowly open up. Now, who knows if a second wave of the virus is going to happen. But you're seeing people attempt to get back to their everyday lives. And meanwhile, really, it's money that's causing the issue between us having a season and not having one. And to me, if they can't figure this out, I I can't see any way for them to figure out a collective bargaining agreement for next year. No, I definitely agree. I mean, this is, this is going to change the way people watch baseball for, for years to come, not just this season. You know, people are people going to want to go back to sitting, you know, eight inches away from, from somebody after all this happens? Are people going to be so fed up that the MLB, you know, didn't really offer any, any, you know, positive solution? I, I, I really don't think that uh, the outcome for the MLB is going to be anything good. Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate because baseball, I don't want to say, is dying out, but the popularity is not the same that it once was when maybe even we were growing up watching the sport. So when you fall behind, and especially when you're gonna when you're gonna say you have two two leagues that are gonna be doing something they've never done before with their playoffs, but they're gonna be playing in prime time. You're not gonna have you know 15 other games going on because that's the thing with baseball. Even when it's going on during the NBA Finals. There's a bunch of baseball games going on at the same time. So even though people are watching the finals, you could have the baseball fans or just sports fans in general saying, you know what, I want to watch, you know, Kershaw pitch against DeGrom tonight instead of watching, you know, the NBA finals. But now when it's just hockey, when it's just, you know, potentially basketball, those are fans that you're taking away. Those could be young fans that you're taking away from baseball because it's the only thing that they're being allowed to watch right now yeah for sure i mean you know they have limited access to, to baseball they're going to turn to uh to hockey to basketball to you know stuff like that and it's you know the longer it goes on without baseball the less and less and less popular it's going to be which is 
already an issue that uh, the commissioner has been facing, you know, trying to increase the popularity. And this, this certainly isn't helping his cause. Yeah, and well, to me, I mean, from day one, I was never a fan of Rob, of Rob Manfred. And I wasn't the biggest fan of Bud Selig either, but I, it's it's hard to... It, I never thought it would be there would be a day where I was more of a fan of Roger Goodell than I was of Rob Manfred. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, obviously Manfred, uh, Manfred Goodell's got his own things going on, especially after... Uh, he forced Dave Portnoy to no longer sit and watch a football game with him. But, uh, you know, I think Manfred needs to make an adjustment. It's not just him. Tony Clark is the is the union, uh, the, pretty much the main rep for the players' union. And, you know, neither of them are really great at their job anyway. So, you know, when you have two incompetent people doing their jobs, it doesn't, you know... It, you're getting what you have now. Things aren't being done. Yeah. Um, and we'll move on and talk about the Mets ownership now. Now we had a new report that J-Lo and A-Rod are going to put together a second, uh, I don't know, bid or go around to purchase the Mets. And to me, from what I understood and what I read from it, to me, I'm very, uh, I'm very encouraged by what I see from this plan. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. I definitely agree. I, uh, I the first time when I read it, I was a little bit concerned that they were just going to try to commercialize it. You know, that seems to be a common theme in this episode. You know, working on the financials rather than everything else. But uh, you know, it. it I mean, after the uh, the reign of the Wilpons, I mean, I think I honestly think anything is is better than that. So I'm I'm going into it with an open mind, and I'm I'm hoping it works out. Yeah, and one of the things I really really intrigued me is that one they're no longer working with um Wayne Rothbaum who originally lost out to Derek Jeter when putting together the Marlins bid but they're working with JP Morgan Chase now and one of their ideas was to create sort of to me the way I looked into it was that it was a combination of your Wrigley Field your Wrigleyville experience and your experience at Madison Square Garden which to me I think is separates the Mets from the Yankees in a big way because the Yankees, they market based off a of history. Like we have Monument Park, you know, we have the most World Series of all time. You know, all their stuff is historical. None of it is really appealing to the fans who are growing up now who want to embrace their team the same way the Mets fans do. Yeah, for sure. And... One of those things was I like I like the Wrigleyville idea, but to me, I, I don't, you know as good as anyone that area around City Field is not really the best one to be spending all day at. Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah, They have that huge like industrial zone. You know, I I think they were originally going to be putting like hotels up there, and yeah. you know. It would look nice, I guess, but you know, there's there's not much to really catch your eye around there. It's it's just City Field is kind of just plopped right down. And yeah. Well, the the intriguing part of it is that it has a beautiful um, view of the the river right next to it, and believe it or not, some of the, over the last maybe decade, decade and a half. They've knocked down a lot of those or gotten rid of, I don't want to say knock down, push the people out that 
own those those shops in that area. So I think that's really that's really their main goal to try to move people out as much as they can so that they can have the space because there's plenty of area around City Field that can really be turned into something nice. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm I'm thinking about just other ballparks, you know, Fenway, Camden Yards, you know, places like that that have like, you know, whole streets. You walk up and down those streets that surround the ballpark and it's all, you know, Red Sox stuff. It's all Orioles stuff. When you walk around City Field, it's all you know, dirt roads and trucks and construction and, you know, it's it doesn't scream Mets, you know? Yeah. And especially if uh you you're one of those if you're one of those people that likes to park under the uh highway overpass, you know, coming walking through there, you know, at eleven at night after a game, you know it's not always the best experience, but um you know, I think making that area because they the they would also be speaking to the craft family which you know you talk about great ownership they're at the top of the class when it comes to that what they've done with the patriots but you look at patriot way what they do what they've done over there at gillette stadium you know when you go to a patriots game you're going for a weekend you're not just going from 1 p.m to 4 30 when the game is going on you're going for the for the weekend you have the hotels you have a place to shop you know it's an experience not just I'm going to watch football for three and a half hours like it is at MetLife. Yeah, definitely. And I think Mets fans, you just see a small sample with uh, McFadden's just, you know, at the base of City Field. Mets fans love, you know, we saw in the 2015 playoffs how that became such a huge hit, huge place for people to go during the postseason. And then you look at, Compare that to what happens with the Cubs when they were um, when they won the World Series in 2016. How that view just a shot of thousands of thousands of Cubs fans just celebrating right right in front of uh, Wrigley Field as the final out of the World Series was made. I think that's a type of community type of experience that Met fans not only want, but it's what separates them and puts them in the class of maybe Cubs fans, Red Sox fans. You know they're they've seen we've seen so much struggle and pain and anytime you know you put all the Met fans together like that it's really a unique experience that really is different from any other teams it's a lot different from Yankee fans I'll say that much yeah for sure I mean you know the the Mets have have such a strong fan base and uh you know I think having an environment that, that parallels the strength of that fan base is something that, that needs to happen. So if, if Alex Rodriguez and if J-Lo can do that, I mean, you know, I'll have no complaints. Yeah, and I think, especially now, I think it's something very much the Mets can do because, you know, the Mets the Mets, are, Mets and Yankees are different because you'll see in the NBA, even if the Nets are really good, the Knicks could stink and people still care more about the Knicks. And you'll you'll pretty much see the same thing with football, that if the Giants are really good, are, are really bad, but the Jets are really good, usually people still care about the Giants more. But And that sort of goes the same with the Rangers and the Islanders in hockey. But with the Mets and the Yankees, if the Mets are good, they can go to battle with the Yankee fans in terms of popularity and the crowds they draw at any any day of the week, especially when they're good. We saw that happen, you know, and we saw it in 86 when the Mets were winning World Series, and we saw it 
2015 and 2016 when the Mets were good. You know, it's that constant battle. And we haven't really had many years where the Mets and Yankees are good at the same time. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. That's a uh, that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think I think that Wrigley, I think putting together a little town is great. Not a little town, but a little area where you know it becomes a a whole experience to go to a Mets game, not just a seven to ten. Because also, what the Mets have the advantage of is City Field is a beautiful stadium. It's not only, I mean, compared from what it looked like when it first opened, it is night and day. It's a stadium where you go, you sit there for a 7-10 game with the twilight coming in from the sun. You know, it's a beautiful place to watch a baseball game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, it's it's super well-maintained. It's it's relatively new. Obviously, you have the airport right there. You get a nice little uh, nice little personal air show right there. It's, yeah. it's, it's really beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it didn't look like a stadium the Mets played at originally, but now, you know, it's got the blue and orange everywhere. And I just think the whole layout with the brick behind it at home plate, I think it's just an overall beautiful stadium. And really, if you ask anyone, Mets or Yankees fans, most of them are going to tell you they'd rather watch a game at City Field. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's got the uh, the blue walls in the outfield. It's got the orange all over the place. It's just a building that screams New York Mets, and I think it's time we, we get, you know, a, a surrounding environment that, that matches that. Yeah, and, and I may be wrong, but didn't you, weren't you at the game where Guillaume hit the game-time home run against Rodney? I was, yeah. That was uh, that was the loudest I think I've ever heard City right? Field. It was nuts. Yeah, so I was there the game before when Fred hit the walk-off, so... We've seen firsthand how how amazing that crowd is when it's when that stadium is full, it's packed. You know, people are jumping up and down. You're high fiving people you don't know. And we've both been there when this team was garbage. Really, you know, I've been there when it was like twelve to two blowouts against. I remember going to a Diamondbacks game where they were. I think it was John Hester hit two home runs against the Mets. Oliver Perez was pitching in the eighth and ninth. Um, and it was just an empty stadium at that point. And it just, you know, looked ugly. But when you see it all packed like it was for the playoffs or like it was during that second half of the season, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And you can't, you can't compare it really, especially in New York. You can't compare um, anything to it. It's, it puts itself up there with places like Wrigley Fenway Um put yourself up there with even um you know even in san francisco that's a, another stadium that's a great place to be when it's packed yeah that's true um and the whole madison square garden experience that i was touching on earlier is that we see plenty of celebrities you know fill the garden sit at celebrity row and that's pretty much the exact wording they use when discussing with what the crafts want to do with City Field and put a celebrity role, embrace the fact that you have Mets fans like Jerry Seinfeld, Kevin James, you know, Chris Rock, um, even basketball players, Donovan Mitchell, you know, embrace the fact that one, you are in the city and two, you have, despite not being the Yankees, you still have a popular fan base that even Cubs fans really, you think of a famous Cubs fan, all I can really think of is 
Bill Murray think of the Red Sox, all I think of is, you know, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. But I think the Mets, they have that reach and they have such a different fan base compared to Yankee fans, especially since they're in Queens. I think a lot of people feel that sort of um, kinship to a team that grew up, that they watched when they were growing up in the city they were growing up in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, like you said, I think it's it's time for the Mets to start, you know, embracing their their you know fans like that instead of just you know kind of sweeping sweeping it under the rug, pretending it's it's no big deal. Yeah, and I think that's really what the Mets need is new blood. You know, I think the Wilpons they don't really do too much in terms of trying to create that Madison Square Garden feel. You know, um, you know, outside of James Dolan, um, you know, people like him, they don't like him. But at the end of the day, the Garden name is still something that is very strong. And I think that's the same thing you need to do with City Field because that stadium is built to last. To me, the Mets are going to play in that as long as pretty much our entire lifespans. So, you know, I think they really need to embrace having celebrities, having a product, especially when you're a good team right now and should be in the future, when you have a potential three-time Cy Young candidate, you have a guy who just hit 53 home runs. You have a you have a uh, you know controversial, but maybe future Hall of Famer Robinson Cano still on your roster. You know, take advantage of this now instead of trying to do things when you're a rebuilding team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they have all the pieces to do it now. You know, why wait? Yeah, exactly. I think, um, I don't know who else, you know, we haven't really heard too much other than um, the Steve Cohens of the world in terms of who was interested in buying the Mets. But I think Mets fans, whether you like Alex Rodriguez or you think the A-Rod-J-Lo combination is going to work out, I think if you've been complaining throughout the years that the Wilpons got to go, you have to be open to anything. Any change that is going to happen, because it's hard to go backwards from all the crap that's happened over the last 20-plus years since the Wilpons have taken over. Yeah, I definitely agree. You know, we uh, we Mets fans have been screwed over a whole bunch, so I feel like we definitely can't be picky here. You know, if 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 it's Alex Rodriguez and J-Lo want to buy the team, pull off a total power couple move, I'm fine with that. If Steve Cohen wants to come back into the picture, I'm fine with that. Yep. You know, I'm not, I don't want to be too selective here. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you just got this notification, but we just had an MLBPA season proposal that was delivered um, this afternoon. It includes a 114-game season, which to me is a lot bigger of a number than I was expecting. That would end on October 31st, which means we get an extra month to the season. And then the right to opt out of the season for all players and potential deferral of salaries if the 2020 postseason were canceled. So they're saying June 30th to October 1st with expanded playoffs in 2020 and 2021. To me, this is this is interesting to me that you get an extra month on the season. Yeah. I mean, that's that's better than I could have even expected, better than I could have asked for an extra month. Uh, you know, now we're really talking Mr. November here. We'll see if we get a new uh, Mr. November. 
that's that's better than I could have ever asked for. Yeah, I think 114 games, I think that's, you know, I think it gives teams a little bit more leadway, especially if there's a shorter spring training, because if they're saying the season starts June 30th, you know, teams are going to be, you have to be ready to go within a month at least. So I think those first two weeks are going to be like an extended spring training. So I think it gives teams, you know, ability to ease their players back in and not worry about them saying, man, if I start 5-15, and 15, my season's over at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, that's that's the perfect way of thinking of it. You know, if we've played a 80-game season, you know, you might already know the outcome of the uh, of your, your division after 60 games, you know. Now we're playing... One fourteen—that's that's not too much less than uh, than the one sixty-two. So yeah. that's you're you're basically getting almost a full season there. Yeah, and looking at uh, Jeff Passan's Twitter, and um, <clears throat> which is why I read the first part of the of the season proposal off of. But second part is for the players who are opting out; those who are considered high risk. So, for example, that would be um, Carlos Carrasco, who recovered from cancer last season. Or Carlos Martinez, who has had severe asthma problems in the past, um, they would receive their salary if they opted out. Um, others would only receive service time only, the non-high risk players. Um, and the further players would receive a hundred million dollars total advance during the new spring training to go along with the two two years of playoff expansion. Um, the inclusion of potential deferrals by players is an olive branch, even if it does apply to just a canceled postseason. It would defer $100 million applied to players making $10 million plus for four pro, uh, proration. Pro, uh, this is too, uh, too in-depth for me to understand, but and it would, make, it would do so with the interests of making players whole. It opens a door to more. So... To me, to me, that this is very interesting, especially when we just came into the day thinking we were going to have no baseball. I mean, it gives us a little more optimism. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, when we first started the episode, it was uh, definitely on a down note on uh, on the season. But yeah, after reading uh, this, it's uh, you know now I'm feeling optimistic. Yeah, to me, but to me, I love this. Um, and I just read a. I'm just typing MLB in my Twitter. Um, Bill Shankin tweeted that it would be a 14-team playoff field. So 7-7 seven and seven from each league, like I think uh, a lot of people discussed. But to me, you, like I said, you put, you, you put more teams in the playoffs, I think you're going to make it a very interesting, um, interesting field, especially for Mets fans who I think when you lose Noah Syndergaard, you have a little bit of a concern. But I think if Mets fans, you get a little bit more optimism knowing that, you know, you got – you. Every team has a shot from even the Baltimore Orioles to the Washington Nationals who just won the World Series. I think this allows all 30 teams to feel like they have a shot this year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, now now more teams are going to make the playoffs. I think that's definitely a good way to bring more fans into it. You know, now uh, your team has a uh, has a better chance of making it. I think that's definitely a big reason for more uh, more people to start watching. Yeah, well, now it's just a matter of if we can have an agreement at some point and. To me, if I'm a player, if I'm, for example, if I'm Marcus Stroman, who's been doing a lot of stuff on my own, you know, as much as I want to be ready for the season, there's nothing that gets you ready like game action. So to me, if you're telling me it's going to, you know, June 1st is coming in less than two hours, and you're telling me 
there's a possibility I'm playing a regular season game this month after not hearing a thing for the last few days. You know, to me, I want this agreed on. I want the details as soon as possible so we can get spring training games in. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's uh, there's definitely a ton of, uh, you know, financial lingo and stuff that I'm not uh, smart enough to understand. But, uh, you know, I think this is definitely big news. And I think, I think MLB players should definitely, you know, hop right on this. I mean, this is definitely the, the best, in my opinion, the best, um, you know, solution that, that's been offered so far. Yeah, and just to clear things up, this is the return proposal from the MLB Players Association. So, um, who knows what the owners are going to think about this? Uh, as we said, if the owners are willing to cancel the season, you know, who knows what their opinions are going to be on this? I mean, we'll see uh, tomorrow probably as more things get leaked out. But gotta hope something gets done. But my biggest question is. Are these games going to be played in empty stadiums where they normally play? Or is everything going to be in Florida and Arizona? Because truth be honest, now to be honest, Minnesota is a contender. The Mets and Yankees are contenders. The Red Sox are contenders. You know, it's playing November baseball there is, um, you know, playing November baseball or even late October baseball, not the most pleasant place to be. Uh, late in the season. Yeah, you're 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 right about that. You know, you don't want to be playing in like snow or anything. So it's uh, it's definitely interesting to see. And like you said, uh, is it going to be in empty stadiums? Is it going to be in full stadiums? Even if they allow fans, uh, you know, I can imagine that that stadiums are still going to be pretty empty. Yeah, they're definitely going to be empty. Um, but I think what you do is if you're going to play in empty stadiums. For the postseason, I think you take advantage of um, you take advantage of the stadiums you have. For example, you play in Miami, you use the stadium with a dome. You play in Milwaukee, you play in Arizona, you play in places that are nice like L.A., Oakland. You know, you play in the places where you think the weather is going to be good, or you have the means to control the weather by putting a dome on the stadium. I think. Um, there's definitely more than just these three bullet points that we talked about, but I think it'll be interesting to see what these proposals for where games are going to be played are like. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. And even spring training, um, to figure out are teams going to have to practice in their own stadiums? Because the good thing about spring training is that in Florida and Arizona, everyone's in the same place. <clears throat> yeah. But now, if you only have the Mets and Yankees in one place, and then if they want to play the Red Sox, they got to travel from Boston. You know, I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I think we need a lot more details. I mean, it's optimistic that the MLBPA is giving a counter offer, but I I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see to see what's yeah. going on with this. Yeah, I, uh, I'm holding out hope. It sounds like we're getting close, so. Yeah, and I think, obviously, the players knew a lot of what was going on. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what their reactions are now that we hear more and that things have officially been released. Yeah. Because we know uh, Stroman said the other day he's itching to get out there to play. But he even said he's losing hope that MLB is going to pull something off. Yeah. 
So we'll see about that. Um, but I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting because I will say is is inept as I felt Tony Clark was the fact that he's coming back or the Players Association is coming back with such a strong um, counter offer. I think at least it shows that the players aren't going to lay down in 2021 when it comes to a collective bargaining. And it shows that a fight from Tony Clark we really haven't seen yet. Yeah. So I think I think it'll be interesting. So we'll see what happens. Um, who knows? By the time we end this, maybe we get something else that's new. Yeah. But um, we'll see. Hopefully by Wednesday, you know, we're not sitting here waiting on a response from from the league, seeing if anything's going to be done. But got to be hopeful. Got to be hopeful. You know, that's all we can do at this point. Um, and not, not only that, I mean, there's so many other things going on in the world right now. So I think even baseball, as much as we love it, you know, I think that's sort of taking a back seat to everything else that's going on right now. Yeah. There's definitely some, uh, some other big issues that, uh, they got to get taken care of in the world now. Yeah. Especially, especially with the protests in big cities too. We saw, I mean, we saw how, um, wild things have gotten in Minneapolis, so you know that's that's where the twins play. So hopefully things are sort of calmed down, where you know protests aren't becoming violent. Um, we're not seeing people looting other stores. You know we're seeing protests being done without violence. Seeing people get their message across without um means that means that cause others to get injured, people to lose their businesses, people to unfortunately continue to lose their lives at uh at points where they really shouldn't. Yeah. But uh that'll be a wrap for this week on Fireside Mets episode three. Um hope you guys enjoy. Hopefully we can get some more baseball news uh for you guys. Hopefully on Wednesday we can come back and say all right, now we got to project what the Mets lineup is going to look like, who's pitching this game and that game when we have a deal. But we'll cross our fingers and we'll hope that something else happens. Um, but for Jimmy, I'll be signing out for this week's edition and stay tuned for episode four.